Oh, I have to tell you a thing. I have to tell you something. I found a new podcast that it's not new. It's Grant Gibson, Material Matters with Grant Gibson. I listened to the episode number six, 1882 Limited, Emily Johnson on manufacturing ceramics in Stoke-on-Trent, which was about British ceramics. Oh, shit. Right now, Gus is drinking out of a um, Adam's Purrier cup, which he painted the bottom, and it's so cool. It was all the way around. Yeah, I love it. Man, that's a good one, Adam. Anyway, so it's an excellent follow-up to our Tony Quinn episode. When, when we were interviewing Tony Quinn, I was like, he's kind of talking about British ceramics a little bit. And I didn't really have like, I didn't really like know what he was talking about, about like Britain, British ceramics being the epicenter of the ceramics world or whatever giant um, sweeping generalization he made about his own country, which, you know, I, I don't know. Everyone can think they're the epicenter of something. Do you ever, like, I, I always avoid talking about British ceramics because I don't know um, enough about it. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> people, and then people, there's too much, uh, oh, it's Stoke on Trent. And then someone's like, well, they were doing this in Meissen. And I'm like, oh, is that in the north of the country? And they're like, no, that's in Germany, you idiot. <laughs> it's all just, it's all just Europe, and, right? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, oh, right, right. Del- Delftware was in the north. And they're like, no, God. I guess it's inherent in the name Delftware. Look, come on. It's just old English. It's just, it's just old Europeans. They're saying it in make, English. Trying to make Chinese ceramics, you know? Yeah, totally. It like so those two episodes together are like really complement each other. Gives cool. you like a good picture of British ceramics. What's uh what else do we want to talk about? Um, do we have any questions? This is from Lewis Chinapi. I would say Chinapi. Chinapi. You're saying it like a Midwesterner. Like my name is Cami Climaco, or people call it Climico, but or you could say Climaco. Climaco, Climaco, Climaco. See what I mean? Okay. Anyway, back, back <laughs> to my buddy okay. Louis. Louis? Louis. I mean, you could say, you could say Louis if he was like, if you guys were friends. Yeah, I know. I guess I'm assuming that we're friends because he's sticking up for how my name is pronounced, but like, but maybe he likes to go by Louis. So, you know, who am I to, to call him Louis? Anyway, um, uh, I'm in the process of setting up a home studio. (laughs) I'm in the process of setting up a home studio after years of working in a community, after working in a community studio for 11 years. Everyone is encouraging me to purchase used equipment, but I just can't find any in my area. Is it wasteful to purchase new? Am I missing a resource for used equipment? And uh, looking for a wheel and a kiln. Wow, that's a great question. Um, I'm gonna immediately jump in and say that purchasing used equipment for a long time was by far the best way to go because you could always, it was so easy to find someone on Craigslist or Facebook Marketplace that had a like grandma or like an uncle or like a parent that had done ceramics and 
you bought a whole setup in retirement or tried to get into it, you know, as a hobby and bought a bunch of stuff and then hardly ever used it. And then they're selling everything for really reasonable prices. But in the last, since the pandemic and so many people move from community studios to home studios, the price of used equipment has like skyrocketed and people are selling pretty garbage stuff for high prices because demand is so high. That's 100% true. Um, there's, yeah, I think that purchasing new equipment is great. There is like, I do feel like there's some things that, well, definitely you can't get the rolling pins anymore, which I think we talked about on our episode with Keith Simpson. Yeah. Those like big, beautiful, heavy rolling pins, but they are on eBay. So sometimes there's like equipment that is definitely like you should go only buy that rolling pin because it's so amazing. Well, I'm a big believer in uh, like fixing stuff that you can. And one thing that in general is like really easy to fix is a kiln. And it's it tends to be really intimidating to people, which I understand. And like they should be really careful with it because you're dealing with a lot of power and like you could get hurt, you know, and if you were being careless, you could, you know, damage property and potentially like, yeah, hurt yourself or others. So you should like definitely use caution when working on it, but they're in general, really easy to work on. Um, and for the most part, there aren't that many pieces that go bad on them. It's pretty much elements, relays, thermocouples that go yeah. bad on a kiln. Um, and if you buy, like, if you get lucky and you find a, like a used Scut kiln, Scut has like the best customer service that I've come across in, in kiln world. So it's like, you can get those people on the phone and they'll, they'll like walk you through it. A lot of times, you know, you can send them emails and, and questions. And also you can probably find someone in your area that has done a lot of work on it and they can help you with it for like not too much money. So as long as you could find a kiln for a, for a decent price. Now, the one thing about buying used equipment that sometimes used kiln specifically that people sometimes get hung up on is how old the kiln is, which doesn't really matter. It, you should pay attention to like how much it's been fired. Because um, if a kiln's 20 years old, but it's only been fired 20 times, that's like almost a brand new kiln. But if it's two years old, like if you're buying a kiln from a production space and they're firing it five times a week, it might only be a year old, but that kiln could be close to its last legs if it's, you know, being abused and yeah. really put through its paces. But do kilns, I mean, they just keep, they just last until, they just last forever and you just keep replacing the parts forever, right? Yeah, until the brick starts, you know, the brick over time just from like, the heat and then loading and unloading and stuff blown up in kilns and you know it's like um the stress like the the floor of the kiln will start to crumble after a certain amount of time um you know if things aren't stacked correctly the i think the big thing is just like people you know breaking the top edge of a kiln from leaning down into it so it's like you just want to make sure that you're like if the brick is, you you can really just tell a lot by looking at the brick of a kiln, like especially around the top edge where people lean on it. Right. And if that's in pretty good shape, you're 
there's a really good chance that that kiln's going to be in good shape. I like buying new stuff, but yeah, me too. I heard that there's a wait anyway for for a new Scott kiln. Yeah, a pretty long wait. Yeah, I think there's a long wait for for a lot of the equipment still, and. So does that uh, mean, is there just like a supply chain problem because of Chinese parts? Is that what's happening? It's or are they some, just keeping up with demand? I, yeah, I, I don't know. I know early on, like we were waiting on a new kiln and they ran into an issue where like some parts were just hung up um, because it was uh, like early pandemic, you know, and so stuff was just getting stuck in ports because they didn't have enough, um, you know, people like unloading ships essentially right um so that was like our hang up early on but it yeah you know there's been so many weird like delayed uh effects of of stuff running out you know where it's like every now and again it'll hit with something weird like the whole east coast ran out of plaster a couple months ago yeah so is it back on track or yeah yeah we're it's back on you know we were it was like we couldn't get it for like almost a month and now it seems like it's caught back up. Um, so there might be some of that, but I think so many people, like there were so many people that were in community studios that I think got pushed into setting up their own studio over the last year because they like either were kind of at that verge, like, you know, could start setting up their own studio or they were, or they just didn't want to go like a year without it. So they started setting up. So like people that could afford to, so many people bought equipment that otherwise had been sharing and ceramics was already booming yeah. and then all of a sudden all those new people to it had to buy kilns but yeah wheels i would not i don't think i would unless it was in pretty good shape i don't think i would or i guess if i knew the history of it but a wheel i probably wouldn't i would try and buy a new wheel if you could really yeah, and actually, you know what I would buy? And I'd buy it from the ceramic shop is I'd buy an RK Whisper because we ordered ours and seriously got it within the same week. So they must have some in stock. RK Whisper? Yeah, it's like, they look like the old, the RK10 or whatever, which was like the full, it's like a metal body direct drive instead of a belt driven system. Okay. But now they're the same as the VL Whisper. They just okay. have that they look and they look cool. They got a smaller wheel head, but it's still big enough, you know, okay. I think for most people. And then you get the cool joystick on the side. Oh, whoa. I don't think I know what that looks like. I got to look it up. Yeah, they're um, cool. Is it more expensive? No, I, th I think it's actually a tiny bit cheaper. I think it's like a hundred bucks cheaper. Oh, okay. Um, I, I don't agree with that. I think, I think a, used Brent CXC is just is going to be just as good as a new Brent CXC. In fact, I I think it might be actually a little bit better. Yeah, because Brent wheels are trash. No, uh, well, yeah, new ones, boom. yeah. Wow. Boom. That's yeah. like the, one of the best. I mean, I think Keith Simpson has said that's one of the best wheels. I'm going 100% greatest wheel ever. What? Lockerbie. Yes. Second greatest wheel, the new, the new whisper, the Shimpo whisper line, man. Those things are, you don't hear anything. They stop on a dime. Oh my God, you're right. But they don't stop on a dime because they, the foot pedals go bad within like a year. 
And then you have to constantly be replacing and you're the one replacing them. And I'm still, and I'm still saying that they're great. There's no, there's no trying to tension a belt on them. You got to try and tension. And you, you know, when you walk into like a ceramic studio 10 years ago and the the whole place is like, sounds like a bunch of mice running around. Yeah, that's true. That's really those. I mean, my studio is a VL whisper. My studio wheel is a VL whisper and I, I really love it. I love that wheel. Yeah. Actually, and I had a Brent CXC and I loved that wheel, but I like the VL whisper because it was a gift. I, I like, I think Brent wheels are cool looking too, especially like the gross ass color that they are, you know, they're like mustard. Why is it so bad? Yeah. It's not mustard. Mustard is a beautiful color. The color of the Brent wheel is like. It's like chartreuse and mustard mixed together. God, I, I, that's generous. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's fun. Like, like, it's like, it's, it's like classic. It's that's like, like diarrhea it's, after you've they, eaten. They, they they picked i know but that the color of those wheels right like it was picked perfectly for to to match with a bad fluorescent bulb and and concrete blocks for the basement because that's where all ceramic studios were it was like the perfect mashup of and then you need like a you need like one orange uh cabinet in the corner to really like pull it together pull the room together you're painting a really beautiful picture, but that wheel is not it. Like the wheel color, yes. Okay, yes, it's like super 70s. Yeah. Okay, yeah. But even for the 70s, it's a bad color. Damn. It's like baby food, baby poop, yellow. <laughs> this might be the most controversial thing we've ever talked about on the podcast. <laughs> I feel like we're going to get some hate mail for this I one. I know, right? Oh, well, okay. I'm not trying to start shit with Brent. Okay, back to Lewis's question. Oh, yeah. I forgot what we were talking about. So I say, Lewis, um, buy used when you can, buy new when you can. Yeah. Look on I... Facebook Marketplace and look on Craigslist. But I don't know if I would really look much more. I don't, I don't know where else I would look other than that. I think that's like... It's basically it. If there's like a good ceramic supply place near you too, they might, a lot of those places have bulletin boards where people will like put up like selling a pottery biz, like just rant, you know, selling this wheel, blah, blah, blah. Okay. So what else you, we got? So we got kilns. We say buy, buy used when you can. Wheels. I think you're right. Like if you can find a decent price on a used wheel, go for it. But that's a good that's like exactly it because uh a bailey like i i don't even think i I would want a used bailey wheel but uh you know that's like kind of some people love that stuff so yeah like a 200 wheel is a used 200 wheel is probably going to be okay but like a new 200 wheel absolutely not yeah don't don't buy one of the wheels off of amazon oh Yeah. I didn't know we were going to get to ceramics today in this conversation. <laughs> Dude, what, like, what the? Yeah. I know, it's like so crazy. What are we doing here today? Um, What are we doing here today? Yeah. Okay, so on the podcast today, we have Hadia Williams. Okay, Gus, when I'm going to be honest with you, full disclosure, I've been following Hadia on um, 
Instagram for a while, like yeah, really, really well over a year. Um, and I saw her work on Instagram and I was like, that's stupid beautiful. And then Nadine Sobel and I were teaching an online class, um, Handbuilding at Home for Brooklyn Clay. And I saw her name in my roster and I was like, oh my God. Like, it's like seeing a celebrity. I was like so excited. Um, and then I gathered up my courage and asked her to be on the podcast. And then she uh, said, yes. You know what I was just thinking is like, we've had, like, we keep doing these intros and they kind of keep sounding the same, but it's just because we keep having like, fun and funny people and smart people on and isn't it going to be like kind of stark one time when we like do an intro and there's no bit of fanning out or like fawning over how funny this person turned out to be <laughs> yes. yeah i don't know right? what we're gonna say because i feel a couple different times i've been like we gotta change like we gotta say something else but it's like well it was like i don't know her and it was a super fun it was like what makes this podcast worth doing we've had people on that i didn't really know and yeah that I, like like turned out that i really liked them but i think in this particular case like i've never met her but i also was like a huge fan of hers yeah so and i don't even think she knew like she doesn't know that yeah yeah but it just turned out now. yeah sorry uh yeah so i'm really like I was really excited to have a conversation with her yeah so what are we going to do like have on a person that sucks and we're going to be like well we had on this person that sucks yeah no I think it'll just be like hey <laughs> now here's our conversation that maybe put the radio on in the background <laughs> and off to <laughs> Hey, uh, maybe a good time to get out your Nintendo Switch. Here's our conversation <laughs> with. I want to say somebody's name, but I can't. Yeah, Oh wait, what? Oh. oh, it's just us on the podcast today. So. Oh, hey, today's episode, no guest. Get out your solitaire cards. <laughs> People are probably doing shit while they listen to this, anyways. Yeah, of course. I hope so. God, God forbid they're just like listening to it. Anyway. Anyway, here's our conversation. Good idea, William. Okay, so you just, I just saw on your Instagram that you designed a blanket, which I was like, oh, how, what? It's like super, ex is that the first, is that the first blanket that you've ever done? It's not. Um... I've done some because I use I use a site that kind of does print on demand. Yeah, I'll say that. So it's it isn't it wasn't as difficult as it looked to get it produced, which is great for someone like me who at this point I'm experimenting with most stuff that I do. So, um, but it really worked out. Like people loved it and it it did well. And I made it for a seating kit for the a black lady sketch show. I don't know if you watched it or not, but it's on HBO. Yeah, yeah, okay. I saw a little bit of it. I started yeah. to watch it. So, 
are you, I don't, this is, I don't want to actually put you like in a, but are you a designer? Like what, what, what? are you, I know. And I, cause I see on your Instagram, you're like with yarn and you're doing this and you're with clay and you're with paper and you're like, so it's kind of amazing the amount of materials you're sort of trying Try out and experimenting with. Yeah. I, so I'm a, I'm a graphic designer. That's my background. Um, I went to school to Columbia College in Chicago and got my second bachelor's in graphic design. Um, so that's what I've been doing professionally. And so I guess I'm an artist. I call myself an artist slash designer. Yeah. So one of my students the other day was, um, she's taken she's taken my class for about, I don't know, she's been doing ceramics for like 17 or 18 weeks. And she was like, so when can I call myself a ceramicist? And I was like, uh, you'll know. But it just coincided with your Instagram post where you were like, I'm not a ceramicist, but. but right. You know, like the qualifier and my um, one of my instructors, uh, I don't know if you've heard Ryan, like I wrote his last name down. Ryan Rockshawn, have you heard of him? I he's done, he does, he, teach, he teaches at the Art League. And he, so I took a class with him um, like three years ago. Like he was one of, he was my first like real ceramics instructor. And um, and he's, he commented, I think on that post was like, you know, just go ahead and own it. You know, the ceramics, <laughs> yeah. like, what are you doing? Why are you playing? But, um, but I still, because I don't know uh, like everything, like I'm still learning. I'm still like, I was, in the Brooklyn Clay, like online classes with you, Cami. I know. Yeah, it's like, it's like, and so, so I'm in there, you know, in the beginner classes, I guess, still trying to learn like some of the basics. But, um, but I, you know, I've been working with ceramics for three years, but, you know, I still feel like there's, there's just a lot that I don't know. And some things that I don't necessarily care to know, like I really, I'm just so excited to be able to make something with clay. That I don't, yeah. <laughs> like just the idea that I can make something is exciting so yeah having stuff that you don't need to know though like that I think sometimes people get hung up on trying to learn everything and then they actually like forget to use the skills that they're that they acquiring have. or they like forget to to actually just make some stuff right um, well yeah. I mean the ceram like ceramics can do that though you're like oh I just want to find like a shiny glaze and then all of a sudden three years later you're like I guess I'm just doing glazer now you know what I mean? yeah. like it doesn't it's just you could deep dive into something and then your years are gone yeah just trying to find that thing the holy grail shiny glaze is like just like a thing when you can just buy it you just yeah. buy it. <laughs> you don't have to do that you just like Emiko has done the work for you yeah you know a lot of ceramicists are big into like the chemistry of it and you know, so. I think uh, I think that they make they think I think they think it makes them a better ceramicist. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> what a bunch That's of terrible. nerds! I know. I'm sorry. Um, so, do you have like an overall interest in crafts, or are you? And then, how did you get? You were like, "Oh, I'm going to take a ceramics class." Yes. So that was exactly it. Like I, so I, I'm into objects and oh, design. So, so. I started collecting, like I love vintage and thrifting and that's something, that's where I say 
I can see where the connection is because I would, you know, I would buy like old ceramic pieces I saw or going to like craft shows and markets and I would buy handmade stuff. And so I really wanted, I just decided to take a class. It was a two hour workshop at District Clay in DC. It was like a happy hour thing. So I was like, come in, come and throw for two hours, which was terrible for me. (laughs) (laughs) It was, it was really horrible. I was, uh, because I'm a perfectionist, even though, you know, my work is like not perfect, right? But um, <laughs> the will was just like, well, I can't do this thing perfectly. So, so I took the workshop and then I decided after I got home, I'm like Googling, like, how can I fire in my oven at home? Oh, <laughs> I thought you were, I thought you were going to Google, how can I be a potter in two, in three or four sessions? Same thing. How, how can I be, how's the, what's the fastest way to be good at pottery? How can I do it in a week? Yeah, that was it was the same energy. Like, how can I like do this? And it was it was in the winter, so you know, like I wasn't doing anything else. Like, I was working at nine to five and how can I do what can I do with my time? And you know, at the time it was 2017, like January. So we know what happened then. Like there was this new president and I was just oh. like, you know, feeling a certain way and wanting to do something with my time. So so I figured out that I could do polymer clay and there's air dry clay. So that's where I started like at home, just kind of figuring out like the stuff you can bake in your oven isn't ceramic clay, but it's, you know, there's some other things. Um, so I started playing with that and learning how to work with clay and creating forms. And and I was sharing it initially, just sharing it for fun. But, you know, now with, with social media, people are like, begging you like I want that whatever you're making I want to buy it so, yeah so well, that- I, I was uh when Cammy and I were getting ready for this for this episode I, you know we were like both sifting through your Instagram and stuff and uh and I found a post that seemed like it was not that long ago where you were like so happy I, like I got up to like 2,000 followers and then I was like oh I thought you had it. and I like scrolled up and you've got like 12,000 now <laughs> so and that was 12,000 really came like last year. So, okay. you know, like, yeah. within a year, I went from, yeah, like 2000 to like <laughs> 12 because of the the blackout. The, yeah. There's so many names for it, but the blackout, the racial reckoning, the just the more the interest and in people sharing my um, my page more, which has happened to a lot of a lot of black black creators and artists. And so that's how it grew so quickly within a short amount of time. Yeah. Yeah. We had a, like a friend of ours, Kyle Lee on the podcast a while ago. And that was, he, he was talking at one point about like just opening his Instagram and there'd just be like hundreds of new followers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was crazy. Uh, he was like an hours, you know what I mean? It would yeah. be like 700 <laughs> this in an hour. And I have, and you have no idea how, like how it's even spreading, but like I, and I don't look at the analytics, like I probably should, but um, yeah. Just curious of how that how that even happens. I don't know. Today is a battle with wanting to just make my stuff and share it for fun, versus like making stuff and people like it, and then now I'm have to be responsible for for making it available because a lot of my stuff is one of a kind. You know, I don't do like manufacturing style. I just I'll make something and then you know sell it or not. Yeah, yeah I do that too, right? Where you're just like, it takes away, like once somebody, 
wants me to make make a lot of it i'm like oh i don't want to do that anymore i don't want to do it anymore <laughs> it's like i will literally quit ceramics before i have to do production pottery like no that yeah exactly it's too much pressure i think for me for yeah and I, I i guess that's that is part of it you know i i say like i don't like making the same thing over and over again but yeah there's also because some people want exactly what they see and so there's the pressure to try to make it the same way even though you tell them it won't be the exact same thing and they'll still like want it. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know. I'm like, but on the other side, you could totally do it. Your pieces are looking so good. <laughs> so was there like, was there like a time where you're like, oh, I'm really getting good at this. <laughs> you're like, uh, you're like uh, struggling. And then you're like, oh my gosh, like, I think I'm good at ceramics now. <laughs> When was, it, I mean, I guess it's ceramics in particular. When was that? I feel like I feel I'm not sure if I still <laughs> quite there yet. But that's where the design comes in because it's really about, I guess, how I see the work and how I just, my design eye, for lack of a better way to say it. But so, like, I still feel like there's a lot that I, I'm not where I want to be, like, technically but you know but I can look at a shape and know how I want it to look so a lot lot of what I do is intuitive which I'm sure a lot of creators like do intuitively but they don't necessarily say that I don't sketch a lot I'll just I'll look at something like oh I want you know I'll just start painting or putting on the glaze and yeah you have like a you have like a solid and this helps when you're moving, if you're going to move within materials, you have like a solid personal style. How, how did you get there? I think a lot of people and this, they know a lot of people are going to want to know because like, we have a lot of listeners that didn't necessarily go to art school or there's, they don't have a background and they're just sort of like in ceramics and figuring it out. And I think when you're trying to like develop a personal voice like that's super important and I think when when you have a really strong personal voice you can put it on anything right Mm -hmm. like you can just translate that into like whatever it's gonna be yeah and so that is that is where my um so that's what I say with people you like what you see is like my my aesthetic my design style and it really started I'll say even in my graphic design work there is there people will recognize my work and not that it really relates to what I'm doing with ceramics and with like the surface design, but um, in 2017, same year, I did the 100 day challenge. And so I, if you were going through my feed, you might see like the 100 days of whatever. And yeah. so, so I chose black and white. You know, I was, I was at this place where I was- Wait, I wait was, hold up really quick. What was the 100 day challenge? So it was a creative challenge and it was, it was based off of Michael Beirut. I think his, he had, he did a creative challenge at like Yale school of design for his students. And so it was like a hundred days of, um, and I'm not sure what his was specifically, but there's a woman. And of course her name is blanking. I think it was Emily. You can, you can probably look it up. I I hate to figure out her name, but so she's created this 100 day challenge on Instagram. And you can pick 100 days of anything 
I guess creative essentially yeah what you want to do so some people will do like specific types of illustrations they'll make if they're working with um like say mini ceramics they might do 100 mini vases or something like that um so I just chose black and white because I was trying to figure out how to brand myself as a as a stationary designer. Yeah. So, cool. I was working with paper and I was like, I was literally like I had maybe I'd taken like some business classes and I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with the stationary, like literally like in tears about my branding. Like, I don't know what I want. And I'm a graphic designer, but um, so this helped me focus a little bit. Like, um, and the ceramics came within that. So it was just all happening at once. Like okay, none of this was planned. This is all like organic. It wasn't like, I can't even tell you, like it was just all happening at the same time. Um, okay. So you, you got black and white paper and you were just cutting the shapes out of paper and using like. Not even then. I was just. <laughs> <laughs> you were. <laughs> okay. Pa like paper and pencil. It was, it was paint, paper. Yeah, like it was like maybe oh, like just doing anything. That's like awesome photographs of things. Um, I would create just backgrounds because I hadn't really done that as a graphic designer. Just like explored um, surface design or, or just creating patterns and texture. And so, so wait, one more question: Was it on the computer or really on? It was on paper. Yeah, oh, it was like on. Okay, okay. okay. Yeah. That, so it, that's huge, actually. Yeah, it was, it was pretty big for me because I was doing different things and the clay became a big part of it. The, and at this time it was more polymer clay. Um, and so I was doing that and then I was taking classes at um, like the art league and district clay at the same time. So I was doing all of this over the course of a year, just kind of digging in, but still doing the 100 day challenge. And I didn't do it within hundred days. I did it within like the year, but I did finish. Oh, wow. So that was... <laughs> That was something because, you know, like it, um, I tried it again and I could, I did not. Um, a <laughs> hundred so, more days. Right. It's like the sequel. In the sequel and the sequel is <laughs> terrible. It's always terrible. So, um, so yeah, that was soap dishes I thought I would be able to do and I did. Oh yeah. Cammy and I were talking about the soap dishes yeah. this morning. Yeah. That was so, <laughs> so what happened? You were like, there's not enough soap in the world that's gonna make these dishes good or what? <laughs> so it was, it, what happened is that I was kind of inundated with like all of these things happening because of this, of this um, shift last year. Right. So like I thought I would have the time because we were in a pandemic, I can do this, you know, this soap, this challenge, that's something. But then June hits and my life changes. And there are all these things happening. I'm getting opportunities. I'm getting calls to do things. My work that I had, like my wearable art was selling out online. So I'm having to like ship and mail. And so I just didn't get a chance to, to really dig into it like I thought I would when I thought all I had to do was make soap dishes for the next year or next 100 days. Now there are all these other things that are happening, which was, I mean, which was, really amazing but it was um you know there was a lot of, a lot happening there is the reason why it happened was was also 
something that, you know, is affecting us. We're in the pandemic. So there was so much going on at the same time. So the soap dishes yeah. kind of, they fell off, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> They're not going anywhere. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you'll all, people will always need soap dishes. That's true, I think. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that was when the idea was that all we had to worry about really was like washing our hands every day. <laughs> yeah. Oh, right. Man. Oh, oh my God. I, the, yeah, there's like. Yeah, you know, early pandemic. It, yes, it's like April. I didn't even so put fair. that together. Oh, for a second, I forgot that there was a pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. Right. Hand washing. Okay. So let's talk about the wearable art too, because yeah. those pieces are so beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, like next level. So the wearable started with the polymer um, because I could make smaller pieces, flat pieces. But that was another thing Ryan said, because in the ceramics class, I was like making all of these flat pieces. And he was like, you're going to have to start building up. And I'm yeah. like, <laughs> <laughs> like, clearly, oh. I was doing the thing that felt comfortable <laughs> to me. So yeah, making pots was just like, okay, well. Because um, I'm hand building out, I'm not using the wheels. So, um, but yeah, the wearable art because to me that because I did, I am a graphic designer. I guess it probably didn't make the most sense to me. So like, make cutting out a shape and then just painting something on it intuitively, or or glazing it somehow intuitively. Um, yeah, it just made sense to me. And I started with necklaces and and some bracelets and then the earrings came later and the earrings are like what people love and it's fun just kind of trying out different shapes like a lot of people do ceramic earrings now especially um or like clay a lot of polymer clay a lot of um so that's kind of grown even since i've started but um but yeah it's i guess wearable just seemed like i was making stuff that i would probably that I would wear so like that was the easiest way to kind of go about it just something that worked within my taste level that I thought others might like and I had no like I said a lot of this is organic so I had no like goal in mind I was just making stuff that I just I was just excited to be able to make something that I didn't think I could before like I hadn't really considered making making forms out of clay before until until then until I picked up some clay and like realized that I could do stuff with it so I, I mean I guess that I don't know if that if that yeah. makes sense yeah it was, yeah <laughs> it's interesting but I have a question let's go can I go back to the 100 day challenge when you finished the first 100 days of the challenge how were you did you what was it like were, were you like oh my god I have all this like all this content or all this well, by that time, I had already started selling my stuff. So within the 100 days, I went from just a graphic designer doing something fun to a business person, you know, entrepreneur, as they like to call me. Which I, <laughs> which I don't, I'm like, I like to make stuff and people like to buy it. But I don't, I'm not necessarily someone who just likes to like create business ventures. But, um, but yeah, I went from just, making just posting stuff that I like to make to selling within a year. So by the hundred days, I painted a friend's wall in her home. 
because you know you know you you're seeing my work in and I guess in different ways and so it's like well wall of course is the next step so yeah I painted her wall and that was my 100th day and that was in December so um which was really exciting for me yeah after the fact during I was terrified because I was like it was like a 10-foot wall and I'm like <laughs> you know how how do I do this and but it worked out in a way that I hadn't really considered just like I hadn't done anything that big before and it was a simple pattern like it wasn't anything really complicated but just being able to make it to make make it evenly spread out and measuring and taping and and all of that was something that I hadn't really explored you know everything had been pretty pretty manageable and small before so um so yeah but it was like okay now I have this business that started this this thing so I'm doing pop-ups which were a uh, I guess they'd already been happening, but they were, I feel like at the time it was kind of like the boom of like the pop-up and like, yeah. you know, the market. So, you know, so that's what I did as well is um, selling my stuff at markets, which I hate doing pop-ups. <laughs> I hate yeah. packing and unpacking my stuff. It's horrible. <laughs> so, but, you know, it was great as far as getting my stuff out there and, you know, a couple of stores reached out, like Shop Made in DC is one where I still sell my stuff. Um, there's a store in Nubian Hill, a lot of local DC um, stores reached out to give me opportunity to, the Women's the, um, National Muse Museum of Women in the Arts, I always get of and for mixed up. But they also, they have a, <laughs> um, they have their, their um, gallery, not gallery shop, but the museum shop and they sold some of my pieces. And so like all these people were seeing my work and they gave me opportunity to sell stuff I was making in their stores, which was really amazing. And, um, you know, it kind of helped me get better, I guess, and, and you know, grow my, what I was doing, but um, yeah. yeah. So how much, uh, like how much time do you actually spend making ceramic stuff these days? Are you doing more of it? I am doing more of it. Like right now I'm, I am doing a studio sale at the end of, like near the end of the month. Okay. Um, so I've tried, I'm trying out all these different models that work for me online uh, because the way it was before, like, so last year, this time I had, I hadn't had much online, but I was going to add some stuff online. I was going to try to figure out how to market myself because I don't like really pushing my stuff so but yeah. then like I said the the this blackout happens and then so people are coming to me in a way that I hadn't hadn't planned on and so so here we are a year later and I figured out a studio sale might work better where I just make a bunch of stuff and kind of push it all out at the same time versus versus selling my stuff like you know like a few purchases here and there um, yeah and like, it just seems like it makes more sense to me because then I can focus on just selling stuff versus trying to make and sell at the same time, which has been difficult. For yeah. Me. So do you mean like a studio sale where people are going to come to your studio? Or no, um, like a yeah, drop? No. Like a drop. Yeah, yeah. a drop. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. That's, um, there was just an article. Gus, did you see the article about and then Times or something? Yeah. Yeah, you saw it. <laughs> You asked us. I'm sorry. Yeah. No. No. <laughs> yeah, no. It's okay because I didn't see it. So I, was, I... 
yeah, that was it's crazy. The that that's yeah. how it, it that's how it goes. So there was an article about um like drop Instagram drops or online drops where you'll like the stuff will sell out in minutes and then you basically just like work. It's actually kind of an awesome model. It sounds yeah, like and that's yeah. what inspired me to like maybe switch it up a bit because I was struggling a bit with trying to like I don't know, like people buy a pair of earrings and you know I have to ship them out. Yeah. And I go to the post office. And so it was like all this work for like a small pair of earrings. And I'm like, well, maybe I'll just do it all at once. And I saw the article which had um ah, cool. Lolly okay. Lolly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Excuse me. Lolly Lolly ceramics and yeah. now work related. And I yeah. think there were a couple of other ceramicism that- was in there too. Oh really? Yeah. yeah. Nice. Yeah. yeah. So these drops where they're selling like, well, they're selling 350 pieces, which is not what I'll be selling. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, like these huge drops and they're selling out in like less than 30 minutes, like everything sells out. And I don't know if they're making them beforehand and selling them or if they are like, I'm not sure what the full model is, but um, um, like, a, like a pre-sale kind of thing. I'm not sure. But yeah, this uh, this might not make the podcast because it'll be weeks out of date by the time this thing comes out but um well don't but, uh, say that uh josephine what's what's her last name who's in red hook josephine Cammie? noel yeah she's doing it yeah she's doing it like a studio an in-person studio sale tomorrow that's been delayed for like three weeks because it's been raining every sunday mm. um and, and I keep being like, okay, I'm going to go. But then I just realized last night that there's probably going to be like a line out the door for her. Like, oh, that's true. Yeah, because it's probably going to be the same sort of thing that happens online where like it sells out in 30 minutes, but it's just going to be a bunch of people crowded around a tiny studio table. Kind of, yeah. yeah. This, We're back. We're back. Yeah. Uh, yeah, one of my friends, one of our friends, Nadine, was in line at somebody's yearly studio sale. And she said the line went down the block. Wow. I know. It's crazy. Ceramics is really, really popular, which is so awesome. Yeah. You know. Um, so you're in D.C., right? Yeah. Does it, because here in New York, we, Cammie and I talk about this all the time, but it's like, it's like all of a sudden everybody's doing ceramics. Like everybody has like what, at least like one friend that's taking ceramic classes. Right. When you Is it the same thing in D.C. right now? Um, Probably, because yeah. I feel like, like even with district clay, like they, I don't know when they opened up, but it was probably like within the last like four, maybe five years. Okay. Um, so there are a few like community studios around where people can take like quick, you know, yeah, ten week courses and and they and they stay packed, you know, and folks are are um, yeah, and they're sell- everyone's everyone seems like they're selling their work, like no one's just yeah. making stuff just to make it, like. Yeah. <laughs> Um, do, do you know the place um red dirt studios i have heard of that that's that's here yeah it's somewhere i think it's maybe like just outside of dc i can't remember exactly where but the only reason i even know of it is years ago one of my professors was having a show in dc and a friend of mine and i like wanted to go see it and but like dc is a big expensive city so like we couldn't afford a hotel room or anything so we just emailed the owner of red dirt studios 
and asked them if we could sleep on their floor. And so they just let us come and sleep on their floor for two nights (laughs) in the middle. Like it was like, I don't know, it must've been like August or something. And it was, I, I just sat up through the night because it was so hot and sweaty <laughs> in the studio. I was like, and, no, I'm assuming they're good with like keeping their dust away too. But yeah, yeah it, was, it was it was a really clean studio, but it's still gross to sleep on any studio floor. <laughs> but you know, that was that's interesting that you were so like we, but we have to go. So. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I think <laughs> I was living in a small town, so there was like nothing to do there. So I think we just figured. Look, DC. Funny. Yeah, I haven't. Um, yeah, I've heard. I feel like I've heard of them, but now I'm now I'm curious, and I have to go. So yeah, so. yeah, go sleep on their floor. Gross. <laughs> but that's so. That's like typical ceramics. That's like a very ceramicsy, like some random ceramics is really random like that. Like yeah, yeah. like well, he's a ceramicist. It's the biggest. That's the biggest thing we'll ever have in common. This common bond with like anyone ceramics you're like oh my god so okay we're best friends now i guess (laughs) yeah so okay i'm moving in they're like cool i love it okay it's yes it's but it's grown here i feel like um i don't know like i know a lot of people in circles i run in i'm probably one of the only ceramicists they know but but then like you go you know you spread out a bit yeah it's, it's definitely a, a big thing here so yeah um okay so you bought your own kiln which is a yeah. super big deal cool yeah. so that you were like <laughs> would okay. you buy would you yeah. buy i just i have a, a eight a fire firebox eight that's so i just got a new kiln actually but i got the firebox because at district clay there's like this electric kiln that there were a few of us fighting over all the time yeah there's this calendar and you have to like you know, reserve a spot. And it was just always this battle. And um, my instructor, or he was kind of like just somebody I talked to a lot. I don't know if Chris Landers, if he's, um, he owns the clay co-op in Rockville, Maryland, but okay. he worked at District Clay. And I would talk to him a lot. And he was just like, you just need to get your own kiln. Cause, yeah. Because, you know, you reserve this slot and then you have to wait you know, like a whole couple of weeks and three weeks before you can get a slot again. And it, so it, it, were, it was really kind of making it a slow process um, because otherwise I had to put my stuff on, you know, on the kiln shelf and wait however long yeah. to get that fired. So, so I got a small, really small kiln because I was making wearable art. So I didn't need anything really big. And, um, and it really changed, changed the game for me, especially because, um, I could fire, you know, throw it in the kiln at like 10 o'clock at night and go to sleep. But yeah, wait, did you get like, did you get a little test kiln or what'd you get? It's a test kiln, yeah. Cool. Yeah, yeah. that's, I bought one a couple years ago too. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's really fun to have it. And you can like, uh, you know, as far as like kiln time goes, it's like pretty much a microwave. It's so fast. Yeah. You're just like, yeah. I just put mine on high and walk away. And walk away. <laughs> yeah. well, we'll see. Yeah, and that's that's what that's what I've had for the past like maybe two years, and I just cool. got. I guess I, just, I guess this is I don't know if it's a test. It's another scut, but it's um it's a little bigger, so cool. not huge, but I wanted it to be able to run on the voltage, like just home yeah. voltage. So I still kept it, 
you know, um, like the biggest one you could get without right, exactly rewiring so, your. So that just came, and that was, um, someone offered paid they paid they gave me money to get it. Yes. <laughs> because um, I posted like this little lamp, like I don't know if you saw that in my feed. yeah the square lamp and you know people loved it and and I was like well I, my kiln's not big enough to make it but you know haha it's cute and she's like well how much does the kiln cost this is all in the post and I'm I'm like oh well, you know it's between 1500 and 5000 she's like well I got a thousand on it it's so what That's yeah awesome. it, was, it was unexpected and you know I don't usually ask for you know because I've my teacher told me also, he was like, you should do a GoFundMe for, to raise money for a kiln for my first one. But I don't, you know, GoFundMe to ask people for money for me was just like, I'm not doing that. But, um, <laughs> but people do that kind of stuff all the time. I mean, people yeah. do GoFundMes. They're like, oh, my apartment needs to be redone. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, oh, I need to do some new clothes. They're like, oh, I like they'll just think of any reason for a GoFundMe. And then they'll give you like a reward, which is like a, right. like a thrift store t-shirt or some <laughs> shit. Like this is the worst GoFundMe. No. no one should give you money for this. But they get it. Some people <laughs> will get the money. And um, so I, I didn't do that, but but this go around, you know, I did take her up on that offer because, yeah, good. you know, it was something I needed and um, and that I really knew, I know would help me you know, just kind of grow what I'm doing. And, uh, and so, so yeah, so I just got my kiln, which I thought would, they said 10 to eight weeks, which I don't know if anyone's tried to order a kiln, like if, if you all have, like the COVID has pushed it, like just like 12. It's, it's crazy. I mean, that like for some of the bigger, for some of the, <laughs> the bigger kilns, the guy across the hall from me in my studio, I think he got stuck waiting like nine months for his. Yeah. because it was like they they got it like almost done and then all of a sudden they couldn't get some like one of the you know I don't know what it was but um so he was just sitting waiting yeah Gus your own brother is waiting for a kiln did you know that no <laughs> no he bought yeah. a kiln yeah huh yeah he's how long wait. is it gonna take <laughs> he said three months I think huh and yeah I don't really wait. ever it's see him anymore bit. so Gus Gus I'm just kidding. Lives, he was standing Gus in the room. He was standing like five feet away from me. Too. Gus works with his brother like almost 30 hours a week, lives with his brother, and then uh, but they don't have a studio together. Yeah. Are you it's, all um you're not twins, you're just civil. No, just for yeah. Just brothers. Al almost. We're like oh. twins, but a year and a half apart. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Uh okay, so now that so do you have a studio in your house or do you have like a separate art studio or what do you have, what are you doing? My studio is in my house now, and I'm actually, um, I'm in the house that I grew up in. I'm renting this house. Um, my, mother, my mother still owns it. So I moved here because I needed, I was living in a studio apartment in DC and I, I did have my kiln there in my studio apartment. And yes, it was, wow. it was wow. like a studio with a bed in it. <laughs> Like use it as like a towel warmer too, and like your toaster. Yeah, totally right. You're like, I'm gonna roast this chicken, bake this yeah, pizza. Like anything in a studio apartment needs to be able to do multiple things. You like, yeah, boil your water on top of it. It was, it was rough, and um, so yeah, like it. My studio, yeah, was my apartment. But so I'm renting this house now, 
So my studio is now in my mom's old bedroom and I'm, I'm in the bedroom where, you know, where I lived in as a child. And so it's been great being here because it's a full like house with a porch in the backyard. So, cool. so I can spread out now, like, like the new kiln I got is on the porch, on the front porch. And oh, cool. so, you know, I can probably hopefully operate both of them. And, um, and like my dining room is like my work area, like my art, my non-ceramic area. So it's been really great being able to spread out. And I don't know how I function in a 600 square foot studio as like working and living. Um, Wait, that's the size of my apartment now. I thought it was going to be like 300 square feet. <laughs> no, it, my studio was big until I put until I put my business. Until in. you put your studio, yeah, yeah, like until I put my oh, business. Yeah, that's in. fair. That's fair. Yeah, it was um, it was pretty big. So like most of my studio, my apartment was like my work area, and then like I had this little space where my bed lived, and it was it was getting that's, rough. That's too. I would. I don't know. I would have a nervous breakdown if I had to like wake up and then be like, "That's my project." I, you know, I need to feel like <laughs> it's like. Really stressed out about it like yeah no but I want to I want a home studio because I want to be able to cook while I'm at the studio like I want to be able to start dinner while I'm in my studio that's my dream because I don't cook ever ever yeah I I just give I'm giving up on it yeah okay (laughs) so maybe it actually wouldn't help me it it might like I'm just it's been so long because well since I've started working for myself and doing like art full-time food is like I just need to eat so I can yeah. keep going so yes yeah, it's, it's been rough you know going from nine to five where everything feels a little more structured and so just I feel like I'm working 24 hours a day um, um, it feels like it but yeah know. I think that's like the you know you the freedom you the freedom you know of having not having to go to a nine-to-five job yeah like that's the trade-off yeah but I I did find myself when I was working trying to I was looking for something to fill like this this void like it was just like I was I won't call I wasn't depressed like clinically but it was there was a sadness that that was there and then now they call it the existential dread the dread yeah (laughs) existential dread seriously (laughs) This is, a, I'm reading a book about it right now called Flow, but Flow. go on. Yeah, go on. Yeah, I'll look, I'll look that up because it, it definitely, it lived and now I don't feel that at all anymore. I won't say at all, but yeah. no, nope. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's, my life is very different. I feel very differently. And I, at the time did not, you know, and I, I feel privileged because everybody can get to a place where they can find something that kind of removes that existential dread but um I do feel like it it's really made a difference in my I don't know how how this came up but yeah I'm into it because of yeah I'm super into this is like a hot topic for me because of I'm reading the book but I'm also really interested in and all two like I'm interested in why people are attracted to crafts and why people want to use their hands and what actually especially clay I think that when people touch it, they know that something changes in their life. Like, yeah. and it's, if you talk to like a lot of people, they'll tell you the same thing. They touch the clay and then 
they just felt, you know, something clicked in their head. So I think that there's a little bit of maybe what I think is ancestral DNA. Mm. So when you touch the material, it just hits a pleasure center that you're like, oh, that. And then also they, they, I've read articles on how crafts have healed people, um, like knitters that had, like knitting really helped people that had anorexia. So something about working with their hands just took their mind away from what, like the concern of eating. Are you, you sound like you're like putting in a bid to be the keynote speaker at Enseca next year. (laughs) Well, I just, because, yeah, I mean, like a lot of, a lot of people are writing articles about why clay is so popular and they're saying, well, maybe it's because people are so in like, so into the computer that they need something to focus away from like something with the hand. But I don't think it's that necessarily. I think it's this bigger. Something bigger. bigger. Yes. A bigger need. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't fully understand it, but I do know, you know, like I know just what it's done for me. So I can see that, like you're working with your hands and, and um, look, I have my notes here. Um, <laughs> Kanisha Sneed um, of Tactile Matter. Have you heard of Tactile mm-hmm. Matter? No. She's one of, she's a designer that I've, uh, well, she's a, she was working with ceramics. Right now she's doing more illustration, but she wrote a book that is kind of about healing. It's a children's book, but it's about the healing I guess properties of clay for this like little black girl and her mom. And um, it's a beautiful book that I just, you know, I bought for a couple of children that I know, but it, it does kind of talk about that. So I'm sure for her, that was something that, you know, that worked, that worked out for her as well. Like clay did change something in her. So I don't know, but yeah. Cool. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's really interesting. Do you have like people or things that have like inspired you or influenced your work? Like, where are you pulling? I guess this goes back to like, how did you develop your uh, sense of your, your voice, but like who influences you? Like, who are your. Um, So I have quite a few people that I definitely am inspired by and and influenced by. Like um, recently I realized that Elizabeth Catlett is someone who has influenced my work. Um, and this is because my mother's had her prints in her house since I, before I was born. So she had some like lino cut prints, but Elizabeth Catlett, um, is a, she was a graphic artist, but she also was a sculptor. So she did a lot of, um, you know, working with, working with ceramics, working with, you know, molding, but also, you know, printing in black and white. A lot of her work was in black and white. So she's someone who's inspired me. I'm inspired by like, there's like architecture and like in um, ugh, blanking uh, in Nigeria, <laughs> but there's, there's um um look I'm, I'm like what else? Are you getting have, stressed out? Like, you're like <laughs> what's happening right now? It's not that big of a deal. This is where I, I wrote it down. So like you're talking to the two dumbest people <laughs> on earth. Wait, <laughs> like, wait. You can say anything. It okay. would be like, oh, okay. I, I, I just want to really quickly sum up this because <laughs> just how so I had to I had to do a Zoom recently where I 
because I get really stressed too when I'm like having to explain stuff. And so I wrote a bunch of notes down on a piece of tape because then I was like, I can tape it. I was doing it on my phone. So I was like, then I can tape it to the bottom of my phone. And then I was in the middle of the Zoom. I was in the middle of the Zoom and the tape got stuck to my hand and I wasn't paying attention. And I just crumpled up the tape and threw it across the room without paying attention. And I crumpled up all my notes. And it was like all the names. It was all the names of people that I was like trying to reference that I knew I was going to forget. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But in the middle of it, it all goes out. Yeah. Exactly. That's something, that's something I would do. So, and usually I'm not prepared. So I did write down. Okay. Nice, nice. Um, so yeah, so like Melanie um, Barnett, she she's working with play. She's um she founded the Black Artists and Designers Guild. Yeah. That I'm a part of. And so she's actually at the Tyler School of Art now getting her master's in, I don't know, I think it's in ceramic. So yeah. yeah, and she started out as a textile designer. Like that's where her career was in. So, yeah. Yeah, she was making stuff at Brooklyn Clay for yeah. a little bit, which was great. That's how I got to know her a little bit. Yep. So she, yeah, because yeah. I do remember that, that's why I've heard of, heard of Brooklyn Clay through her. Oh, cool. Yeah. 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 So um, Melissa Weiss is somebody definitely because she, you know, doesn't come from a traditional like ceramic background. She kind of. I think kind of, and then she's, is she considered self-taught? But, um, but yeah, doing a lot of like making her own play and, and kind of doing, I guess, crude for lack of a better word, um, work. Yeah, so yeah. I, I appreciated that. Not yeah, having yeah. like this really hardcore um, background, but being able to still create work and, you know, um, Dante Moore, he's, I love his work. Um, I think I think you a lot of this like in the class yeah. that you all did these opening presentations, which were my yeah. I won't say my favorite part, but I really made sure I was there to like <laughs> write all the names down and like yeah. reference them because it was really um, like there's this world that I just wasn't necessarily privy to. So being able to kind of see all these people doing, you know, really amazing work was great. So um, yeah, so yeah, and then. You know, I mentioned Kanisha Sneed um, and Jen Hewitt does, uh, she does pattern and I guess textile design, but you know, she's someone who I really, um, really love her work. And, and, and I think it, you know, it's been in inspiring for me in like the way that I think about the patterns that I do even, even on clay. Andrea Pippins is a friend of mine who, who does, um, she's been working and illustration you know she's an illustrator now but she started out as a graphic designer and we're in the same we're we're friends in the same peer group but she moved into out of graphic design into illustration and doing art full-time which i hadn't really thought was an option for me but now you know like that is something and there i mean i have a long list i'm not gonna do yeah. that though, but <laughs> did you like when you were in high school were you like taking art classes and so I go. It was funny because I took art classes. Like I took an art class in like my junior year, and then my senior year, I became like the TA for my in high school. Um, but I never, I didn't, still didn't study art. I was just, I really liked the art class, and I liked the teacher. So it was never, still wasn't like something I did. But I do remember, like I created like this. It was like a drawing of an album, like a 
CD cover at the time. I was in the, it was the nineties, but um, <laughs> and someone stole it out of like the display case in the hallway. So that and was that, like, a, that means it's really good. Right. That was a big <laughs> deal. Right. Um, and then in college, I studied computer science, but I took computer graphics classes. That's what they called it um, at my school, Bowie State. And I took computer graphics class. It was similar. I took the class and then I became the TA like the next semester and so I can keep learning. And so, um, so that's the extent of my background, like as an undergrad. And then I went back to school for graphic design. Um, oh, which is two bachelor's your second, that, that's how you got your second bachelor's. Yeah. Okay, okay. Well, was, we, was your mom into the arts then? Because you said you had like prints up as a... She was, she's a social worker. So okay. um, the conferences that she went to was a black social work conference. They would sell all kinds of like black art Cool. And so she would always bring stuff home. So like that's, and, you know, and living in DC, there was just always stuff to do. So, you know, the Smithsonian's are here and there's oh, yeah. stuff. So we were, I was exposed to a lot of different types of art, but she wasn't an artist and it wasn't something that I grew up doing, but I would go, I would engage in art, but not really didn't have a background at all. Yeah. It's so. Oh, it's so cool. I, that's a great story. Cause like, then you're just like, you know, you just want the thing that like you want, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. So the so taste, cool. the, the interest was there, you know, I know I had a certain taste level, you know, just, I understood that, but, um, but yeah, just being able to like create it and do it is something different. So. Yeah. I think I kind of always forget about how amazing all those Smithsonian museums are. Yeah. Like, cause anytime I think of DC, I just think of politics and then my eyes cross and I, right. uh, yeah. Yeah. but that, like that mall is, is like such an amazing yeah. area. Yeah. It is. And which we don't of course appreciate it as much because yeah. it's home, you know? Yeah. So, it, so DC is, you know, it, there's Howard, there's, there's the mall with all the museums. And I just felt like there was always there's a lot here um, that that really kind of helps kind of create, you know, who I am and how I think about, I guess, art and creativity in a sense. Um, and that was, I mean, thanks to my mom just kind of ex exposing me, you know, because it's not something that is necessarily a given, but, you know, it, it's definitely something that, you know, that I um, experienced. Um, tell her we said thanks <laughs> tell, her, tell her we said hi um and tell her we said cool good job <laughs> oh gosh this was so fun uh i think gus do you have any questions? no i'm just i'm actually like amazed we stayed like oddly on topic um, yeah right we actually talked about ceramics yeah um and then do you have it? Do you? Is there anything since you have two experts on the line? Is there anything you want to ask us? <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, well, if there ever is anything you need to ask us, yeah, <laughs> message us. Yeah, I love talking about yeah, all ceramics. ceramics. Yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> well, I did. Uh, I did hear about the glazy.org. I think you talked about. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. So that's. I have never tried to make a glaze before. So. Um, yeah. I mean, it's just a cool, like, it's a, it's a really cool website to even, I think even if, like, if you're interested in ceramics, but you're not necessarily, like, making your own glazes yet, it's a, 
it's like a really interesting place just to like poke around and see what um because you'll just like like a lot of the stuff might not make sense right away but it's like like just kind of sifting through what people are sharing on there um it, it's like a it's a really amazing new resource and then the alfred ceramics grinding room um has like a, a lot of good information on there too um the person who he's just about to step down but he's been there for maybe like the past five years keith simpson um he has like put a ton of work into um like making a bunch of old val cushing recipes and then like with current materials and sharing them he just did a big one with andrea gill's materials um, or recipes over the years like low fire recipes but he did a great job at like documenting the process and then like photographing the results and sharing it it's a really it's a cool thing that just like really was you know even when I started not that long ago it was like you just get like these pdfs without pictures and and there'd be a really short description that would say like it's bluish green and <laughs> kind of shiny and you'd be like okay I hope that's good <laughs> yeah. yeah that's true but yeah. glazy's cool you you know I'll type in like yellow glaze, yellow mat, you know, and then you're just like, see all the hundreds of options. Yeah, then you see too many and then you just yeah. close your computer and yeah. you, yeah. you walk away. Just fucking wanted yellow, yeah. like. <laughs> and then you go to mako.com and you buy some stroke <laughs> exactly. yeah. But I do, I do miss being in a, in a ceramic studio, like a community studio, because I do miss having access to like the, the um i guess what, what's the term they use for like non-commercial glazes yeah, yeah. so yeah. well yeah just have access to, the, to those different glazes because i'm trying to paint glazes on or brush them on and, and i'm just it's not my strongest yet yeah. i feel like i struggle with that a bit um so yeah just being able to dip a glaze is like a really oh. yeah yeah you can you can if you look if you we could talk like this won't make it to the podcast, but probably if you go to certain um, ceramic supply companies, you can find a base glaze and in powdered form and mix it with, with water and make dippable glazes. Okay. Yeah. So you can do it. And then you can also, and they might sell colors. And then also you can take that glaze and add colors if you wanted to. Okay. So there's, so it's not it. as, yeah, it's not as like daunting as you think. Yeah. yeah, it's also a lot cheaper if you do that than if you like. Yeah. Because like to buy enough liquid can. glaze to, to like fill a bucket and dip your thing, is like so crazy. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But so there's that. Uh, that's cool. Yeah, do you have a yard? Yeah. I do. Yeah, I you could. Yard. <laughs> you could. You could also. Uh, you know, when it's nice enough out, like get a little. If you bought like a cheap little compressor at like harbor freight um and then they also sell like cheap spray guns okay. you would just want to do it outside because it's you don't want to breathe the dust in and you probably you want to get like a oh. decent dust mask okay. um yeah. but that's i used to do a lot of that because i used to do i used to go back to my parents in the summers when i was in college and so i like you know i didn't have a real studio to use so you just like do all kinds of stuff outside um but yeah like harbor freight is like a they sell like knockoff tools um pretty much and it's a lot of the stuff like won't last that long but 
I've always had okay luck. I've always had great luck with their spray guns and okay luck with their compressors where they like last long enough for it to be worth it. Especially like if you're spraying pottery, it's, it's not like, it's not like you're spraying like a car, you know, you don't need that much pressure, but that could be a really good way too. Cause brushing glazes does kind of suck if you're just trying to like cover big areas. Yeah. And it gets all, I, I'm just, it gets all clunky and yeah. 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 He's right. Spraying, you know, you would, it's easy to like spray a bunch of pieces at one time and you're like, okay. It's just okay. Kind of, yeah. It's really, yeah. it goes really fast. And it conserves a lot of glaze. Like your glaze yeah. will go way further because okay. you don't need as much. Yeah. But I have a really good gun for, that my friend sent me. It's on Amazon from Japan and it's $14. Oh, sweet. Yeah. And I'll send you the link to it. But you yeah, because I think a, the Harbor Freight guns went up to like sixteen dollars. <laughs> these are this is like a really this is like a really really solid gun. But the adapter you need to put it into any um any compressor is like thirty dollars. So Wait, the really? gun is just the little piece of hardware that makes the Japanese spray gun work is thirty dollars. But it's totally worth it. It's not and a regular. Yeah. It's not like a regular fitting. Because it's uh, no, it's like something weird. But it does exist, so I'll send cool. you that as the link to that as well. If Plus, if you go to Harbor Freight, you can buy like, you can buy like a hundred clamps that'll work one time, um, <laughs> and you can you can buy a camp chair, and you can buy. <laughs> it's true. I love going to the Harbor camp chair. Freight so the much. camp chair will also only work one time. Yeah, you, the second you stand up, it just falls apart. <laughs> <laughs> my my dad's a carpenter, and he's like also. Um, I mean, I guess he's not always that cheap with tools, but he's like pretty cheap in general. And I would do like weird jobs where he'd be like, I'd be like, like, I need like an angle grinder for this. And I'd go buy it at Harbor Freight and you'd like use it for an afternoon. And then you just like angle grind until the motor burns out. And you're like, I guess that's as far as I'm going. Disposable <laughs> tools. Yes. Yeah, so it's just like the, such a terrible thing. <laughs> Well, well have a great day. Thank you, you so really much. Really nice meeting you. You too. See you. Take care. Bye. Bye. what do you think that was great uh i just want to remind everyone today's episode was brought to you by the disgusting color of brent wheels <laughs> that even a little bit thank you nothing. brent thank you disgusting color not we, even the we the did company not get didn't, any money the from company them. we don't get money from us. it's just the color the color <laughs> the company that invented that color the thank plastic you. color is in our hearts sponsoring this episode oh man I, they're probably gonna sue us for just trying to associate trashing with that color and that's the weird part about it is they haven't changed it yeah like they could lick literally make it any other color and they're like well that's our color we can't change
but they can black one make more of the black wheels oh god Brent. any yes exactly come any on Brent. other color do it hard to clean but beautiful oh well anyway Hadia Williams is the best and I'm so glad to meet her and I hope that like we can like hang out with her in real life someday um would be great yeah right oh yeah. yeah Gus we should totally go to Washington DC I'd love to I never got to go to the the air and space museum so I never got to go to the Smithsonian so let's do it I'm in all right me too cool okay all right see you well, there we'll see you there um bye everyone Bye. Follow us on Instagram. We'll probably post again someday. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye.